episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Ryan. How are you? I am doing well, and I undersold this. This is a little bit of a special episode, a little bit of a bonus episode, because, put top line here, we're doing episodes back-to-back. This one's going out, and then we're recording one tomorrow, and we're going to put that out as well, because as we have... Uh, teased variously uh, in, in other places. We're going to do an episode on Succession. We thought it'd be good to put it out uh, right after the, the series finale. The day uh, after. This ep- the, the day, day after. after. Yes. That's right. So we'll have time to collect our thoughts and then, <laughs> you know, then do this. Uh, this episode here is a conversation that we, uh, it's, it's out, it's been online, I guess, for like a little, little bit over a week. Uh, but we wanted to, to uh, publish it on our feed too because... Uh, it is a conversation on the bottle episode form of television. And the reason why we had that conversation is because I have an article coming out in a new review of film and television studies. I think this month, I don't think it's out yet um, on the subject of the bottle episode and Hegel. And so um, part of what that uh, academic journal uh, is wanting to, to do is to have more um, like cross media content. And so uh, I, asked and you know uh, coordinated with the editor for us to have a tie-in episode having to do with my soon-to-be-published piece. So um, I don't think it's out yet, but I do have a pre-published version that is uh, accessible on my academia.edu page, and Todd, I will send that to you so you can put it in the the notes so people can check it out if they want. But so um, if you... There are some kind of wider remarks that that are worth getting into the bottle episode is a particular kind of constraint. So I think if uh, maybe maybe you're not that, that into television, maybe you don't watch that uh, television that much. This happens a lot to me. I don't think I've ever told you this, Todd, but a lot of times students take my television class and like they like they never watch TV, and so like they don't they don't come into it with like a I guess like a bank of references. Right. That right. would be be common, but but they're just sort of interested in it because for that very reason they've never really thought about it before. Sure. So. If that happens to be you as a listener out there, I will say this. Um, narratives, uh, it, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about comic books, graphic novels, uh, television, film, TikToks, whatever. Anything with a narrative. Plays. Shakespeare plays, as, which we will talk about with succession, I'm sure, uh, tomorrow. Um, it, it doesn't matter what it is. You, you have four, I don't know exactly what to call them, which is why I haven't published on this or written it anywhere. I don't know if they're immutable laws. I don't know if they're pillars. I don't know what the, what the, the right thing is, but you got four things that are going to be in any, anything that you can consider a narrative. I would even say this about, uh, nonfiction narratives, like, uh, like, like talking about a sports season or, or like the NFL draft or the NBA draft, like anything that you can consider a narrative, you got four things operating time, space, character and event those are those are the four things they're always at work it doesn't matter what it is i even think this is at work in like a stand-up uh even in just a joke you know like like the structure of a joke you have you have these four things and what makes any of it mean anything is if there is a constraint put on one of those levels uh time space character event uh because if you have too many events, then anything that happens and whatever it is you're talking about, it's meaningless. This is like, like just think about um, the, the difference between people who are good at telling stories, which is an art form, and bad at telling stories, is that like 
the the bad, and I put it in inverted commas, uh, because no bad story is told insincerely, Todd McGowan. The, 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 the problem is there are too many events, like a child telling a story. There's just too right. much. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this. So there needs to be some kind of constraint on that uh, for it to mean anything. Uh, what the bottle episode does is it typically constrains the first, well, it constrains all of them, but most obviously you're constraining space or time. The characters don't have enough time to do something. If characters have enough time, if they, if they have all the time in the world to do anything, again, in any narrative, then there's no tension. It doesn't matter. So there has to be some limit placed, which is what my article is about and what I think the, the bottle episode does really, really clearly. Uh, as a as a TV form, and there is not a television show that is better at uh, constraint than uh, Succession. Just to even it, though like it doesn't have a bottle episode, there. it does not have a bottle episode because it is such a constrained right. uh, show. Like the and and, and it you know uh, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about the show, but it's so good at like giving you different character groupings and and you know it, almost bottling them. In, right. uh, in in some kind of confinement. Uh, it, like this whole last season has taken place in what seems like it was like a week or like, or, yeah. you know, has, has, yeah. so, um, so this, this episode, this conversation you're about to hear is an exploration of a certain kind of uh, constraint that we see in a certain kind of television narrative. But I also think if you uh, are a, a lover of, of, of fiction I, uh, of, of any kind, I think it will be resonant. And I think it's the same thing is true of our, co- our conversation about succession. Whether you've seen the show or not, I think it, what it does, and I want you to talk about why <laughs> part of why we're interested in, in talking about the show, like it, what it does is, is, is really mobilize these, uh, these constraints. And, 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 and that is, I think what is, undergirding what people find so interesting about it but you i don't think we often see that uh in the extant popular literature on the uh, on the topic right we're not going to get into any spoilers but this isn't a spoiler at all because if you want spoilers you can listen to the next episode but if you don't want them you can avoid it until you watch the series or you can avoid it for forever uh but i think one of the interesting things is the debt to king lear even the mm. we'll talk about this tomorrow or then when our next episode that the even logan roy roy obviously is the french war for for the french word for 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 king uh so there's the, there's that and logan mm. sounds like lear uh and some of the names like kendall actually was one of lear's daughters uh roman is kind of reagan uh there's no conspicuously no Cordelia. Uh, I think no, he's full of fact. The one thing I think that's pretty interesting is that yeah. Lear is a feckless figure and Logan Roy, you would never say that about him. So I think that he's all fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nice, so, nice. and in fact, the children are, have a trouble dealing with that. They, <laughs> they, there's no space for, there's only space <laughs> there to be feckless, and so they all they all take nice, that nice up. Th- yeah. uh, which is actually that happens to me playing tennis. My other partner takes up all the feck, and I I take up all the fecklessness. It's a nice. Mm. It's very dialectical, uh, and, and but that's that is what happens. So I think that in a way, the explicit allusion to Lear is slightly misleading, mm-hmm. and we'll get into this mm-hmm. tomorrow a little bit more about why that is but but Logan is clearly not Lear is a castrated 
figure Absolutely from the not. beginning of the play. Maybe self-castrated, but he's a castrated figure. You would not say that Logan is not someone who who wants to avow his castration mm-hmm. in any way. So that's a that's a. In fact, his you know he his he has these affairs with younger women as a way to affirm that that's not true of him that he's not lacking so anyway so that's we'll, we'll get to that but but that that's what i would say i think that interesting debt to lear and then the way that it's breaking from that uh in a way that that's not you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. nice it's a good setup and so that's a good setup for the episode tomorrow and i think it's a good setup for uh the conversation that we had about the the bottle episode so get strapped in to think about uh tv uh as form as this as a constrained kind of form uh, tell I love television. I love television probably in a way that uh, is is uh, is is vulnerable and embarrassing. I think is how I would uh, describe the way that I love TV. There, uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, uh, Todd, or if it's come up on our podcast. But when um, when Lost was on, my whole my family we loved this series so much. And um, at the it was toward the end of the second season. I was graduating high school, and um, my girlfriend at the time asked me to uh have dinner just because she was graduating too with her family and we didn't really like we didn't really do stuff like that like that was like that's like a very like official yep. and formal thing yep. to do right and i said like oh wow i would i would love to love to go out to dinner with you and your family uh when and she said uh she said like thursday at eight and i just immediately was like i can't do that loss is on <laughs> <laughs> and and that relationship didn't last. It didn't much last. Longer. That was uh, the, that was a sign that it should longer. not have lasted. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I uh, yeah. It was. I, I don't like telling that story in any way that that is uh, favorable to me because that is a, a uh, uh, that's, a, that's a that's a terrible thing to do. No, um, I don't think so. I think what was she uh, doing? Well, asking but, you to go to dinner on the night Lost was concluding. <laughs> that's just. You know, I once. Yeah. What it? I, I have a similar television story. So my. Okay. My, uh, so this is okay. This is the original Battlestar Galactica. So not a great oh yeah television show. Yeah, but we were sure. we were visiting out of town. So it, like we we lived in Ohio. We were visiting these friends in Virginia, and they had this whole nice dinner for us. And my dad mm-hmm. goes, "Um, can we take our plates into the living room and watch Battlestar Galactica?" <laughs> And so me and my brother and my dad took our plates, went into their living room. I mean, I was younger, so I had an excuse, but he didn't have an excuse. Uh, and, yeah. and my mom was like, she was furious. But I thought that's a proper dedication to a... Plus, yes. he he knew, I think, that that show was going to be canceled after a year, so he had uh, to get in the the watching of it. But well, I, I, your lost story I mean, is better, but... Is, well, maybe. I mean, like the the thing that the thing that's really funny, like so your dad and I mean, this is like one of the uh, one of the aspects of TV that that is um, in one of the shows that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Star Trek today um, that the pervading sense that it can be taken away like at any yeah. time. And so there was so it gives it gives the series itself a, a, a life to it that, you know, I don't want to say that we've lost because I don't want to say there should be a nostalgia for that. Like writers should have like uh, greater assurances, uh, especially in a time of a writer's strike um, and guarantees like of like what, what a show is going to do and the rug shouldn't be pulled out for them. But like your dad was 
properly reading the like the existential stakes of a show like that, right? That could just be and right. and would have been taken away. Uh, for me, we totally had DVR. I could have watched. Oh, that you could have watched uh, it, but later. you needed to see it. It's like a oh, it's like a sporting uh, event, right? Like you're not gonna. Oh yeah. You don't want to watch the Super Bowl on tape. <laughs> I mean, that's you know. You're being very kind to me, so I appreciate all the support. Yeah. But yes, it was a jerk thing for me. But I just <laughs> we 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 throw this out here to talk about the sort of like the emotional investment. Yes. Uh, I think that we both have in uh, television, and I think that is something that's at the core of the bottle episode. So if this is the first time that you've ever heard this phrase before, bottle episode, uh, what does it mean? And uh, it refers to a television series episode that is uh, closely uh, contained, usually uh, constraints at the level of time and space, uh, and it is confined as though bottled. Okay, why, why that? How do we How do we get there? So there's like a little bit of a history here, and it's not a linear one, just like a lot of things uh, in uh, in television and media. Um, so uh, Leslie Stevens, who is the producer of uh, The Outer Limits, uh, which was an anthology uh, science fiction series. So it's kind of interesting that this phrase, as we're going to see, came from uh, a series where there was no uh, narrative material, really, that carried from one episode to the next. Right. Uh, but he uh, called an, an episode called a, a Controlled Experiment, which was a cheaply made and very quickly produced. He called it a bottle show, like he was like a like a genie pulling pulling it out of a pulling it out of a bottle, right? Like a uh, yeah, right. So that's 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 what he said. The exact quote is: "He pulled an episode right out of a bottle, like a genie." That's what he said because they had very little money and v- they had very little time to do it. And what's sort of interesting is the economic constraints and demands of the episode itself often ends up in the narrative. So because the episode has to be quickly made, right. Uh, and there is not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of time to do it. That's what ends up being in the show itself. Do you think, can I ask you a question about this? Do you think that, cause there, if you, if you try to look up the, how the history of the bottle episode, how we even got the term, Oftentimes yeah. they'll say, "Oh, it comes from Star Trek, and it's the it's the mm. idea of a ship in a bottle, right? Like you put like yes. this this yes. build a model of a ship inside a bottle." And I wonder mm-hmm. if I understand that that's not the origin of the term, but I wonder if the sustained viability and popularity of the term isn't due also to that second use of the a second incarnation of the bottle episode. Yeah, I think I think that it is. You do, um, you do. Okay. I think. I do, yeah, because it had to be. I mean, so yeah, so Todd, um, so Todd uh, uh, jumps jumps ahead a few years to uh, to Star Trek. I mean, why did it happen to these sci-fi shows? Yeah, it's... because for 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 a couple of different reasons is that like they were considered to you know at the time to have like more marginal uh, audience appeal, so they didn't have uh, as big budgets as as other things. But also because they were science fiction, you had you're literally making things up. Like, but the, they're also they had more costly. Up. I mean, that, that that's exactly. what actually killed Star Trek, probably, was how much it cost to make an episode, right? Don't exactly. you think that the... Because yeah. special effects were... I mean, now they're cheap, but they used to be very expensive. They did, yeah. And now, and you know what? It's I think it's 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 a, a, a borderline insulting that like when you watch uh, Star Trek now on like Paramount Plus, like all the uh, effects have been redone. And it's... Uh, so I don't know how I, I'm pretty sure on the DVD version of it or even the Blu-ray, you can see the original special effects. But like it's you can tell these things have been uh, done ad hoc uh, more recently. And like and, and so what we're anyway, what we're and also I'm sure very cheaply. Yeah, know, yeah. Very cheaply. Shows, like, yeah. Like, w- as cheaply as possible. At, so, right. 
as cheaply as possible. So the the issue with the bottle episode, it was a, a, a form of TV that arose because of uh, economic demands. Right. And like you had more money. I mean, this is still the case, but it was much more the case for uh, television in the U.S. in the 50s and 60s, like up, up through the up through really more recently now where you have a TV show recently like Game of Thrones where they're doing like 10, 14 million dollars an episode. Like, like, uh, they're not really financially like, constrained is what you're saying. Not financially constrained. Right. And the constraint, I don't know. I, I think oftentimes now it doesn't pre-exist the episode. It's like, what does it take for the episode to do? So yeah, TV shows of course had, uh, a, they always have a budget and you have more money available for a premiere and for uh, a finale and for sweeps weeks episodes uh, than you would for any episode in between. So this is the other financial part is that funding would become bottlenecked. Oh. And that, yeah. And that, so this whole thing, right? You have the genie pulling it, pulling it out like a genie in a bottle, uh, like this, 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 this kind of magical thing that, that uh, uh, this almost Im- arose impossibly. You have this financial thing, uh, of funding becoming bottlenecked. And then you have, of course, the Star Trek thing, which there is a, it, it's the original series, the ship in a, these ship in a bottle right. episodes, but this is referenced by Star Trek The Next Generation, which literally has an episode called Ship in a Bottle, which is a bottle episode. So it's referencing that earlier thing. So this is how we got here. You have absolutely, as a, uh, as a listener uh, of this, you have absolutely seen a bottle episode, whether you heard the name before or not. Uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, Lucy and I love Lucy. She got stuck in a meat locker two times. Right. So if you've seen either of those, uh, then that's, you know, that's, that's your typical thing. Uh, characters being locked into some, uh, setting for one reason or another. And it's because why you don't have money for, to build new sets. You can't really get guest actors. You can't have new costumes, all these things. The, the, uh, the goal as a, um, as TV tropes put it, is to take up as little money as possible. That's a, that's sort of the idea. But this, my claim, uh, doesn't really get into what is aesthetically uh, important, or even uh, philosophically and existentially like at stake in these episodes. Um, more recently, TV shows have been choosing to do um, bottle episodes. We're going to talk about uh, like not for funding reasons, but to play with the form. And uh, this, like, community as a television series that like to play with the form of the bottle episode, but even animated series like uh, BoJack Horseman, a really famous episode uh, where he is in an underwater world. The name of the episode is Fish Out of Water. And he uh, has all of his vices taken away from him. He usually uh, subtracts from the social or himself by uh, smoking, doing drugs, or being uh, loud and provocative and distancing people. And when he's in this underwater world, he's got a helmet on to breathe because uh, he's a horse, and sometimes that matters in the world <laughs> of the show. Uh, and he so all of his he can't smoke, he can't drink, all of his vices are taken away from him, and he just kind of has to sit with himself. And he gets on this. He gets. He takes a bus ride. He goes on this journey, and there's a. a, a, a 
I'm, I'm forgetting the, oh my God, I'm forgetting the aquatic creature. This is like really funny that I'm forgetting it. Oh, it's a seahorse that he's trying to get to its uh, seahorse father. And he goes on like a, like a journey. There's kind of a, he gets stuck in like a taffy factory. There's a little bit of Charlie Chaplin stuff going on uh, with, with, with this in the episode, but it's, um, it's a, a re- like, that's an animated episode. They chose to do this. Uh, there's a Family Guy episode, Brian and Stewie. They're stuck in a bank vault. Again, animated episode. Right. They choose to do this. Right. So this is well outside of the like original reason why this form arose, but they kind of clarify what's at stake. And so for me, after this introduction, it's less about a rigorous taxonomy of what a bottle episode is. I don't really... I don't think that's very important. I think what's much more important is to look at what a bottle episode does. What does it put in motion? What, what, what does it snap into relation? What are the stakes? And that is this thing we can see because you might be tempted uh, to, to, to say, well, there was a classical bottle episode that was more due to economic constraints of the way TV was done uh, in inverted commas back then. And then look at something now like a more modern bottle episode, which is done by choice. A, by by choice, but I think aesthetically you're looking at the same thing, right. which is you know we're going to talk about with um with Star Trek. So uh, what does a bottle episode do, and why why do we get there uh, with Hegel? So Todd, you're a little bit of an expert on on Hegel, and uh, the most interesting thing uh, about I would say uh, about the shift in how we view Hegel, uh, what would you say, in the last, like, 20 years? 20, 30 years, from, maybe, yeah. 20 th- a movement away from thinking of him as a uh, as a dialectician of synthesis right. and more someone who uh, ha- his whole method is about a dialectic of contradiction. So this may seem like a real hard turn <laughs> for this conversation because that was about the bottle episode, but um, obviously I explained this in, in the article, but I, I want to lean on your, your expertise. What's the difference between synthesis and contradiction and, and, and why do we need to think of Hegel as a thinker of contradiction right. and not one of synthesis? Right. So the textbook idea of Hegel is, as you said, you go from thesis to then there's an opposing antithesis and then you bring the two together in some way and you get a, a result of a synthesis. And that, I think, is the, the, the commonsensical way of understanding Hegel. And it's also the way of understanding Hegel that predominated for, I don't know, 150 years, a little bit more after his death. Right. So, mm-hmm. but... But as you said, I think to, I think now I don't know if it's the consensus, but there's certainly a broad number of people that think this. That is that actually Hegel's the movement of his system is from what seem like identities or syntheses to contradictions. So so the the direction of Hegel's thought is toward contradiction and toward uncovering the contradictions that as that's in place or at work, not toward uh, getting rid of them and uh, achieving some kind of whole harmonious or whole structure. So I think that that's it's it's a pretty radical difference, right? Like between the mm. the two different versions of of Hegel, and I think the one is a much more conservative thinker. Even if mm. you think the synthesis is headed is going to be a egalitarian one or whatever, he's still more a conservative thinker. And now I think the idea is that if he if if he's if the idea is, oh, we, that, that the end point of Hegel's philosophy, what he called absolute knowing or, or absolute idea in different places, that's, for him, that is not the point at which we overcome contradiction, but the point at which we realize we cannot overcome contradiction. So that, I think that that's mm. a, that's, 
that in a nutshell, I think, captures the distinction between the two ways of thinking about Hegel and also captures his radicality as a thinker because I think that, that most, to take it into the political field, most oppressive systems are are built around this idea that some way we're going to promise overcoming contradiction to you, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the promise that they make, and and I think that that's what Hegel disallows as a thinker. So I think that this this highlighting of contradiction and, and showing that even narrative for Hegel moves the contradiction drives narrative, and I think this goes against how we usually think of narrative, right? We usually think narrative mm-hmm. is driven toward a conclusion that that eliminates the contradictions or antagonisms that are apparent in it. But Hegel's point is, no, actually, it's when we're seeing a, a narrative dramatically work itself out, what we're what's being revealed is the the irreconcilability of the of the the, the things that seem opposed to each other, right? So that there's no yeah. there's no final moment of harmony or or, or completion. Mm. Yeah, it's and this is it's, it's a, that was very nice and, and very concise. Like that, it is exactly at this point that we see this is what I'm claiming. This is what is theoretically at stake in the bottle episode. A lot of TV, like if if you, if you're gonna find a narrative form that's guilty of synthesis, where you have some act one problem, some act two. Uh, you know, complicating of the problem and then some act three resolution of the thing that wipes away why there was ever like a problem in the first place. I mean, like that's, that describes a lot of, a lot of television. Uh, Right. Right. And, and, and you would, you would not be wrong to accuse TV of being a a synthetic medium in precisely that sense. Or bad Hegelian. Or a bad Hegelian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad Hegelian medium. Yeah, I, I think that that's right. And I and my uh, not to make like like to make a hierarchy or, or, or tiers of television, but my claim is that like what bottle episodes do is they they don't. This is not their relationship to conflict. It, they it is about deepening the the conflict until it becomes hardened as genuine contradiction, like of of, of existential impasse, and we have this interesting thing here is that like what happens in bottle episodes is characters become isolated and the, their isolation becomes necessary for a, uh, like, like an emancipatory collective to emerge. And that is typically not how we, we think such things should go. We, we don't, we, we typically, uh, like uh, alienation is, uh, not, often thought of as uh, being a good thing or the thing that gets us to uh, uh, anything uh, helpful or, or, or liberatory. But I think bottle episodes in structure show that the, the, the kinds of insights you can come to and things we're going to talk about that I talk about in the essay that we're going to talk about today, the, the kinds of insights that, that you come to, it's only possible through the uh, confinement that uh, and I would say also the the temporal stress that uh, it, the bottle episode gives in, in almost every iteration of, of appearance across uh, all kinds of uh, you know TV shows and even if it's animated, even if it's done by choice. Yeah, I like that um, a lot. That's really good. I mean, I think I think it's an interesting Hegelian image, right? That we're we're we can only be together apart, right? Like that's the that's the that's yeah. I think I, mean, I think you're saying that's what the bottle episode instructs us yes. in. that's what it shows yeah yeah and we'll, we'll get to him a little bit later there if there is, would be one critic like one 
staunch and lucid critic of this precise uh, position, it would be Jean-Paul Sartre. Right. Who, uh, for one, uh, doesn't... Uh, I would say he's even more... Um, I, I guess the phrase would be retrograde, not not radical, but more retrograde, re- retrograde in his reading of Hegel in that he doesn't see him as a... even as a philosopher of synthesis, but sees him as a... Uh, a what is it? Oh, a dialectical monism is a right, phrase he uses. Right, that's both the phrase. Critique yeah. of, yeah, critique of dialectical reason in uh, volumes one and two. Uh, so he he doesn't uh, he doesn't see Hegel as in any way uh, uh, grappling with contradiction in the way that uh, we do, and the way that uh, I propose in this article. So um, the best way to to sort of so we've sort of like laid all this out the you know where where the bottle episode can i say one more thing about that what it is yeah yeah Yeah, because i I think it's there's one thing that's in and i wonder what you think about this this is more of a question Mm. than a comment i i think it's one of the only terms that starts out as a production term and becomes a critical term right like like Mm. say like film noir it has the other trajectory right like first it was french critics used it to talk about a certain kind of film that was made and then all of a sudden Studios were like, "Hey, we can make a film noir, right?" So, so <laughs> I I think that it seems more often that it goes the other way that 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 a mm. a critical analysis of something uncovers a concept and then it gets integrated into production. I mean, just famously, Double Indemnity was produced as a melodrama, and then it's right, only after right. the fact that people said, "Oh, wait, this is a film noir," and and I and I think Bottle Episode seems to me is one of the few that goes with a few concepts that goes in this direction from production to criticism. Although I, I mean, maybe it, it hasn't even really fully gone into criticism because I think your essay is one of the first, I mean, there's a couple critical articles, right? But it's one of the first ones. Uh, that is very kind of you to say, uh, I'm Todd can say that about me and the article. I'm not going to say that about myself. I mean, I will, I mean, I will say that like a lot of, well, no, it's just a fact, like, isn't it? I mean, it's not yeah. like, a, Oh, it's the greatest <laughs> first one. I just, said it's the first one. <laughs> all right. That's a good point. Good point by yeah. you. I mean, I, I think it's very uh, good, but I, I didn't, I did I was just saying it is the, it, I think it is the first one. Right. I think that, um, well, a lot of what I think what would separate, if you're asking me what, what's, uh, in a, um, in a shadow way, what's different about this from other engagements? I, I do think it's exactly this this point of like a lot of work and a lot of valuable work on uh, the bottle episode has gone into what it is, and uh, not not so much on what it does or looking at sort of like the existential or theoretical stakes that like I'm right, trying to get right, to. Right. I don't in, think in there's the anybody that's addressed. I think most of the the theoretical debate isn't theoretical. It's just a critical. It's like an evaluative. Is this a bottle episode yeah. or is it not? Like, what's this very famous right, one right. that's pretty recent that everyone thinks the bottle episode that isn't? Oh, oh. Well, see, because I, I agree. I I think the opposite. Yeah. So your reference, Todd is referencing The Last of Us. So there's an episode called Long Long Time that uh, caused a little bit of debate uh, on the uh, on the interwebs. Uh, with a lot of people saying like, "Oh my God, The Last of Us did a bottle episode," and then um, you know a lot of TV critics, uh, popular TV critics, saying that it's not, and and trying to make this distinction between uh, what a bottle episode is, and and that, or even that, or even trying to go so far as to uh, there's a, a writer who uh, a, a scholar, uh, popular writer who I cite in the essay, Catherine Van Arendonk. She writes for um, Vulture. She writes wonderful things on Succession, by the way, too. Like uh, she's great on. On, on that on that series, and I uh, I quote her in the in, in my bottle episode article. I think she's great the way she thinks about the episode as form, uh, which there's also precious 
uh, little of that right. in, in academic right. scholarship right. Uh, as well. And um, her preference is to to talk to kind of ditch bottle episode. I think precisely because of its uh, production. Oh, interesting. Uh, related, interesting uh, uh, history. And she wants to talk about departure episodes. That's what that's kind of her phrase I for things. And I and I and like again, like I think like I. I, I, I see her point like like completely I, and I think it's like very a, a, a worthwhile discussion on that but like again it's this like is versus does thing that like I, I don't I don't know that we'll I don't know the um, there I think there is more to be gained from uh, like looking at what it does and to be uh, like like stretching that across uh, television history then to try to like really drill down into uh, like like a like a, the most like like minimal, uh, definition that, that we that we can of this thing, and I'm, that's not exactly what she does, but she her because her point is that bottle episodes are a departure from what a show normally does, and so I th- I think the problem with that that immediately comes to mind is that um, the once more with feeling the musical episode, the great musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right. a show close to both of us, or Hush, um, it yeah, oh, or okay, yeah, so. But Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that, like that, but once more the feeling that's a departure episode, but it's also a musical episode. But then, I, I, I like I don't know that people would call it a bottle episode because they're not in like one location; right. they kind of go all over. The production is like much bigger. Um, but I think for for me, I think I would consider it a bottle episode because the characters are confined by something. And this is where like where I think Hegel is really important is what are they confined by? And they're confined by this uh like dilemma that that becomes intractable and it is only by finding like an it like an impossibility, like like really an impossible way of solving the uh the the issue, like a, a possibility that could not have emerged uh without the limit. naturally right without the limit without this instantiation of the limit without this without the confinement that to me is what like defines and, and what is it, mobilized by the bottle episode and so that's what goes on in once more with feeling you know and i think that's what go, what, go, what goes on in hush and uh back, like to go back to the last of us which i know you haven't seen but maybe other people have is that like the like the impossibility of having like a like a community of two or even just a couple in this post-apocalyptic world, like the, these, the relationship between these two characters is what confines each other because one eventually becomes sick and uh, the other one, uh, the, the romantic relationship between these two men, like it defines their lives. And they, uh, I'll just put it this way, like they go out together and like because it's the confinement of that relationship that allows for the two of them to have a life in this post-apocalyptic huh. world. And that it, it would have been impossible otherwise. And there's even like kind of a nice thing where like the Nick Offerman character, when the world was the world, was a, a closeted gay man, and it's it's like it's only in the apocalypse that he can be out, you know. So like, yeah. in it's only again, it's through this isolation that you see this like this this flowering, I would say, and 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 uh, that I, I think is is always at work in in uh, in bottle episodes that something just arises and emerges out of them that it needs the ringer of the of confinement and uh and constraint to get to that wouldn't have just emerged uh, naturally over the course of uh episodes the way they they, they, they like typically go i like you that a lot can i it's kind of constraint just yeah, just to ahead. clarify so so for you hush mm-hmm. is a bottle episode because the mm-hmm. the formal limitation of 
of like you can't speak, right? Like that, and and yes. same thing with once more with feeling that you have to articulate yes. yourself in song. Okay, that's I, yes. I like that a lot. I think that that's really good. Like the because what happens at the end of that episode is that uh, Spike and and Buffy they they well for one they kiss, but also Buffy reveals that she had died and gone to heaven, right? And her friends in bringing her back to life actually condemn her. And right. that, 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 like, like that's, this usually happens in, I mean, I, I think this is where you also have this like overlap. A lot of the times in musical episodes uh, of shows that don't normally do musical episodes, it enables characters to say things that otherwise they couldn't. Right. And, and so that I would say is, is more like, that's like sort of the overlapping circle on a Venn diagram with the bottle episode. I think that's what always happens in a bottle episode is the characters say things that they, they otherwise couldn't, but they needed the uh, the form, the structure, like community is so good on this. Like in cooperative calligraphy, uh, the character, which take community takes place in a college and the, uh, it starts with something really anodyne and, uh, where a character loses their pen, uh, or it was stolen or they dropped it or whatever, but it's, uh, the character name is Annie. Uh, we, we, uh, we, what is it? We went past sorry, Annie seven pens ago. Like, and it's not about like, she says early in the episode, it's not a, it's not about a pen. It's a principle. And she doesn't feel like her place in the study group is taken very seriously. People take things from her. They take her study notes. Britta invoked the freedom of information act to get copies of her uh, notes for a class. And uh, uh, this didn't happen on the show, but this is something she says uh, in the episode itself. And so all these characters, like in, in the tensions that are between them, they come out in uh in the bottle episode because they have to it's like i describe this to students this way it's like being in a long car ride with someone it doesn't matter how good friends you are or how great a relationship you have with a romantic partner be in a car long enough you will get agitated with someone it does not matter how how long (laughs) that like like like, or how good it is you're in that car yeah something will you know there will be this like like if you change if you're switching driving right. or, and, and then you stop too soon, there just, well, just right. something will come up. Like, yeah. that's just like, that's just how it works. Um, uh, what is it? I, in, uh, I, I can I rhyming? just tell you a funny Go thing? Ahead. I broke up with my yeah. girlfriend in high school because of <laughs> a drive back. We, we were on vacation, uh, in the, at this lake in Kentucky. We, I lived in Ohio and, uh, we yeah. were driving back home and I was reading old man in the sea when she was driving. Mm-hmm. And, we were, I had like five pages left and she's like, I just can't drive anymore. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I go, I have five pages left. I, 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 you've got to keep driving. She just pulled to the side and got out of the car. And I said, it's, it's over between us. Like you just totally, so this is worse than your law story, by the way. I think that is a little bit worse. I appreciate you, uh, you, you helping me out there, but it's, it's like that. It's like the line in the rhyme of the ancient mariner, water, water everywhere. And all the boards did shrink. Yeah. Water, yeah. water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. But yeah. like that, that's the, that first part yeah. I find more interesting. Yeah, yeah. All the boards it's great. Shrink, I love that know, idea like, of the car like, ride. I mean, it's it's. I mean, so that's why that's why families that go on a long vacation end up hating each other, right? Like it's impossible <laughs> not to because the. And this often becomes a t- like a plot in a t- TV series, right? Right, like right. the the vacation, you know, right. uh, episode or, or right. um. Yeah, that uh, not necessarily bottle episodes, but that's always the you know. There's a great Simpsons episode where they uh, they go to itchy and scratchy land. And, um, it turns, it turns into, um, it's, it's pro- probably the Simpsons were, were, is the only piece of media that understood that Michael Crichton, uh, just did Westworld again 
with Jurassic Park, <laughs> only it was a lot more popular. But like no, but at the time, like nobody, like yeah, anyway. So because the episode is both Jurassic Park and it's and it's Westworld, and they end up having to save the park. And Marge just wanted a nice vacation. And they say to her at the end of the episode, like, we got we did exactly what you wanted. We got lots of uh, exercise outdoors. We really came together in the end. And but they had to kill a bunch of robots to <laughs> save themselves after after being abandoned. And she just hears she hears Lisa say that and says, you're right. Now, let us never speak of this again. <laughs> so it's like it was so e- even even in this in this way, like, right. uh you know what what happens in that episode is she gets exactly what she wants but in this inverted form and such that it should never be spoken of again. right and also it's an episodic series that is like usually things don't carry over like the simpsons have really elastic wealth from one episode to another one season to another and uh you know whatever so that's that's a formal a structural reason why you wouldn't bring up with that but i think narratively speaking yes that it like the the vacation episode the family gets upset with themselves they find a new way to to uh to relate to each other which is what I, I think is at work in the bottle episode. This is especially at work in, uh, in cooperative calligraphy, the group has to come together. Um, and this, the study group and community has to come together in a way that they hadn't before. And there's a third season bottle episode, even better on this point. And I want to, cause I want to name, I want to give a specific example to a kind of contradiction before we talk about some other, some other examples, um, that, the, uh, the very famous, there's like so many memes that come from this episode. It's called uh, Remedial Chaos Theory. I believe this one is written by Megan Gans, who is the uh, king and queen of uh, the bottle episode. She's uh, wrote a couple for community, but also um, uh, really wonderfully for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, and the uh, Apple uh, TV series uh, Mythic Quest. And uh, so the the setup of Remedial Chaos Theory is that they're waiting for pizza, the characters. Um, and there's uh, they all do this game. Todd, I don't know if you know this called nose goes. No. So no. you all do. <laughs> so you touch your nose. You're in a group of people. So someone has to do something, but it's not any one person's responsibility. Like go to the door to get the, get the pizza, go downstairs. Okay. And so you touch your nose. Okay. And anyone who didn't touch their nose, the nose goes, you understand? Like that's how the, so if you didn't touch your nose, thing. you have to go. You got to go do it. I so, but they okay. all perfectly touch their nose at the same time. So they're about to play Yahtzee and uh, Jeff says like, Hey, you know what? Starting from my left, um, you, your, your number one through six, it comes up, you go to get the pizza. And then Abed says, just so you know, Jeff, you're now creating six alternate timelines. And he says, of course I am Abed. And then this really great thing, he flips the die in the air. And then the, uh, there's this kind of graphic that comes over the screen where it's like a almost kind of like like a uh, like a almost like a uh, like a like a tabletop game board with like uh, timelines stemming out from the middle e- related to each number. So he throws the the die in the air and it goes through one of them. And then each time they go through this episode goes through each of these different timelines and something different happens. And what's really great about this episode um, and this is in um the Star Trek episode, uh, Tholian Web, as well, is that you um, you gain a, 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 a excellent understanding of group dynamics by which character leaves, not by who stays, right. but who leaves. Right. And so, the it, it's this really wonderful thing that the episode does is it makes the like my phrase for this. I mean, I didn't come up with this phrase, but like it makes an absent absence present, and and like in Tholian Web, Kirk is absent. And because Kirk is is uh, is like is in interphase, the uh, 
differences between uh, Spock and McCoy have to play out right. in a really like in a really uh, um, stressful and like high uh, high intensity way. So the way that the, this episode of Community ends is that, and there's all kinds of memes like the like uh, Troy Donald Glover's character leaves the room, and I, I know students ha- and and I think other people have seen this. Uh, this frame, this from the show, or, or uh, these like two shots from the show, but they haven't actually seen the show itself. He, it's one guy goes to get the pizza, and when he comes back, the room is on fire, and it, it's uh, so that's that's like that's a often a, a used as a meme. Your son actually, Dashel, said to me when he started watching Community, he said, "Did you know that half of all memes are from this show?" <laughs> like he's being uh, like you know obviously uh, um, hyperbolic right. but I was like yeah right. dude I was I was there when the show was there when the show was live right. I, rem- I remember but anyway so the so you see all these six different timelines and then the way the episode ends is Abed in the prime timeline he grabs the dice so it doesn't hit the table and he says that chaos dominates enough of our lives and that you know that you shouldn't be putting up something like this to to chance. We need to like stick together from the things that we know to be true. And uh, he has this like this unbelievable insight and uh, which is that we have to be accepting of each other's flaws and virtues. And he kind of goes around the table and he says, it's not, he doesn't talk about every character, but he just says one thing. He says, Shirley will always be giving. Uh, Pierce will never apologize. Britta is kind of a wild card from my perspective. Uh, And Jeff will always be a conniving son of a bitch. And there's a there there's a, I think he maybe says something about Annie that I'm forgetting about and uh, the, the the his relationship with Troy is like well played out but th- this that's not the that's not the point what the point is is that he says one thing he says we need to be accepting of each other's flaws and virtues and then says one thing about each person because and this would be the Hegelian reading here because your flaw is your virtue right and your virtue is your flaw right. It's it you, you, the great the best thing about you is the worst thing about you and the worst thing about you is the best thing about you and there and it's not you you can't like uh, I think that there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of like self help culture that like seeps into everyday life where it's like oh you have to le- live your best self which w- would be what maximizing the best thing about you and minimizing the worst thing about you and I think what this episode of Community and what I'm claiming and what I'm saying like you know uh, Hegel would help us see is that it's the same thing. You you know, you can't you can't be like a really open and warm person and then be like rigorous about what people you're warm and open to cuz that's not being warm and open. You know, like like surely in the context of the episode uh surely makes pie for like for everyone and 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 like that doesn't seem like it's an issue but she the as jeff says in one of the timelines she has a baking problem she put and as britta says in another one she pushes pies for love <laughs> like she's always right. like she's always she's right. a pie pusher you know and and it's it's the this is the thing is like she can't the group ha- it's not that she has to be different it's the group has to accept that this thing that has been articulated quite often as a flaw. That's her central virtue. And I think this is what the, uh, like the, the bottle episode uh, often mobilizes about like, like characters is that like, like, uh, I don't know, like, would you say that this is at work in, uh, and Tho- like Tholian web as well? Like, I mean, like you, you can't have, you can't have the rationality of, uh, of Spock, you know, w- w- it, it, without 
like I mean this is often played against him as a character is his rationality and his like emotional decision making right right and then and like and I think with McCoy it's it ends up being sort of like inverted but they can't be who they are without those two things being intention absolutely you know? true um, right it's absolutely true and yeah. I think that like I, I mean, one of the great things about the Tholian Web episode, which you've you've referenced a few times, which is one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, it's an episode where they go to this deep part of space, and that there's that space is the fabric of space is weak, and so mm-hmm. Kirk ends up yeah. disappearing, and then he's in this what's called you named it earlier, it's called interface, and so they have to try to recover him later, and they're not sure if they can recover him because he's been caught in the transporter beam, uh, coming back from this other ship that has been destroyed by this, the structure space because everyone, and actually on the ship, I think everyone killed each other because of the the tension created by this, uh, this kind, actually the tension created by the long car ride, right? Like, like (laughs) it's interesting that that doesn't (laughs) like, that doesn't really come up. I mean, they're on a deep space, long car ride throughout the series. Mm -hmm. And that never comes up except when they get into this other kind of space in the Tholian web. And Mm -hmm. then, but then, What's interesting is I think you're right that the very things that are good about the things that are best about Spock are also the things that are worst to him about him and the things that are yes. best about McCoy are the, the same thing that's worst about him. And I think that's really – so this is a nice instance where uh, contradiction gets played out. And I think you could mm-hmm. read it as, no, this is the opposition between two characters, right? And I think it, mm-hmm. that Tholian Webb nicely shows the distinction between those two things. So – the the, mm-hmm. the contradiction within both Spock yes. and McCoy is is the tension, and then that yes. manifests itself as uh, they they come to almost to blows. I mean, they couldn't come to blows because Spock mm. would destroy them. But they 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 <laughs> they come they come at odds with each other and they they fight with each other viciously. But it's really yeah. this internal contradiction within each of them that's being manifest, which I which I think which gets man, made manifest because of the the bottle structure, the limit structure that's there. Yeah, this no, this is exactly right and really, really nice. I'm glad you brought brought us onto this point. It's it's not the conflict between that ends up becoming like important. It's like it's the conflict within. Like you have to see this like as as being like inescapable, uh, and that's this uh, this source of torsion that drives what uh, what happens narratively and also toward uh, some kind of impossibility. Like. Uh, it, the I, I say this in, in this essay that like we, we have to understand about the dialectic for for Hegel is that it's it's pushing pushing our understanding of something to note the interdependence of things upon their own internal uh, opposition. Right. And y- what you have to see is, and I don't have this phrase. I have this in the book version of of this chapter, not in this this, but um, maybe I'll add it. I don't know. Who knows? But you have to see how opposite becomes apposite. That's the idea. That's right. what. Like, That's very good. What, That's very good. I mean, it, 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 it's why Hegel is the total anti Carl Schmidt, right? So Carl Schmidt is this thinker who yeah. thinks that w- one is constituted through one's enemy. That the field of the political requires a figure of the enemy, and I think Hegel mm-hmm. just uh, doesn't allow that. Like the enemy is always this internal figure for him, right? First, it's an internal enemy, and it's only because there's an internal enemy that there could even possibly be an external one. So I think that's a really, I think that's important to see the to see the the division or the cut as an internal one first, and then mm. all kinds of external oppositions are only only exist on the basis of that. 
which I it's, mm. it, it really differentiates Hegel, I think, from a lot of other a lot of other thinkers who who like Schmidt, but even other thinkers that want to insist on external divisions only, right, and not internal. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of interesting. I mean, that's that ends up being Sartre's problem. It is. With, um, yeah. With with Hegel and also his problem with as his phrase is seriality, which is relevant to to talk about here, um, because what. Sartre's whole thing is that there's an external order from capital that groups us superficially so that we have no uh, meaningful uh, tie right. to each other in, in the social. And this, um, I, I, he, sa- I he, he says it directly that it needs to be eradicated. So not like overcome, not like, not like the, oh, we become serialized by capital and it's, because we're grouped superficially that we can move beyond it. No, 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 no. He doesn't, he doesn't want that or think that he, he thinks it's the thing that has to be done away with. And the, the bot, the, the bottle episode. And I think this is why Hegel draws his ire is, has the complete opposite idea, which is like, you have to, there has to be something like, this is why the community is such a good example. There has to be something superficial, like a pen going missing or like having, who's going to go get pizza that, moves you move from the superficial tie to like the more existential tie you move from superficial uh tensions to like really deep um right. and uh, like immovable ones and it's only through this i like i claim i think this is what bottle episodes do it's only through the uh this isolation and alienation that 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 tension can be even it's like articulated in any way, like, like, like spoken or dramatized or whatever. Like this is the, the suitcase, like probably, um, I think there are two, two episodes that, that often come up in like best bottle episodes, um, would be the suitcase is episode of Mad Men, right. uh, Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos. Um, there's a absolutely wonderful episode of, um, the leftovers called, uh, international assassin, assassin. That is, a a, a a bottle episode. I would even argue there's just the, what everyone agrees is the greatest episode of lost called the constant. I would even say like, according to my, the way that I think about it, that's a bottle episode. Interesting. And what about balance lot, of terror? Don't you think a lot of people think that's one of the best star Trek episodes? They do. Yeah. And so the thing with balance of terror, so this, this is, I'm glad you brought this up. The, like the thing that sometimes like, like people try to get like a real, like, like a purity of a bottle episode. Yeah. So like in the suit, in the suitcase, there are multiple locations. Like, like Don makes Peggy work this copy for the Samsonite, uh, uh, I don't know, campaign. I'm not sure. Uh, they even go out to dinner, don't they? I mean, they leave the, they off- go out to yeah. dinner. Yeah. They, they leave. And, and so that sort of violates the, like the singular location thing, like of the Seinfeld episode, the Chinese restaurant right. where they right. are waiting for a table and it happens in like, it unfolds almost in, in live time. Or like I said, even the animated, the Brian and Stewie one uh, episode where there's, they're in a bank vault the whole time. So like they leave. And so what the, what the suitcase makes clear, it even has a really great line that, that might be the, like, this is the line for like what defines a bottle episode is um, there's a, there's a mouse or a rat in uh, Don's uh, office and Peggy sees it and says it's a rat. And Don says, it's a mouse. I grew up on a farm, which that in almost any other show is not a th- statement that uh, worth noting, but he revealed something about himself right. in that statement, something honest and vulnerable. But as he's looking at the, you know, where the mouse came in, he has this line. He says, there's, uh, there must be, 
their ways. Uh, oh God, am I going to blow this? I'll have to look it up. I want to make sure I get it right, but uh, to, to make sure. So I'll say what I'm remembering it, and then I'll look it up to make sure I'm right. Okay. But there are ways out of this. There are ways out of this room we don't know about. And and that is like the I think the thesis statement for the bottle episode, which is like there's ways out of this intractable uh, conflict that you don't know about when it starts. And the only way to get there is through a hardening of contradiction, not avoiding it. And so like the so the going to multiple locations. okay, that's in. I know they're on the on the ship the whole time, but in Balance of Terror that starts in a wedding. There's even a part of Balance of Terror where Kirk takes a nap. So like the there the also this idea that it's like like constant right. um like closeness like a uh, breaking bad's fly right where where it's like it's it's tense or like it unfolds in real time and like like yes like temporality is often uh, a, a constraint that produces a lot of what's uh, at stake in the bottle episode but like balance of terror which i think is always cited as the like I don't know, like the like. To, I think in some conversations I've, I've seen, it's like like the Ur bottle episode, right, it's like Balance right. of Terror. Um, but yeah, they're in multiple locations, and well, we see in the Romulan ship a, as well, right? Like that's the whole yeah. yeah. Well, and so what's the impossibility? Like the impossibility that's generated here is like Kirk and this Romulan uh, captain, like uh, they develop a uh, respect and affection for each other, and they never see each other. Right. Because or it's talk. through precisely or talk or talk. Right. It's, yeah, it's precisely through the how they mitigate the uh, the circumstance of being in um, uh, what what would you say like a, a contested space? Yeah, yeah. Right between the Romulans and the uh, you know there's, there's this great line in Thirty Rock, Todd, where um, uh, Tracy Tracy Morgan is uh, talking about Romeo and Juliet, Capulets and Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, I always, I always think about that. So it's a real Capulets and Romulans yeah. story, the yeah. b- balance of terror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's multiple locations. There's two ships. Like again, like I said, Kirk takes a nap. So that sort of like breaks some of the tension for a little bit, but he can't really sleep. So, I mean, there's that. But, but what's like, also interesting is, thi- isn't, yeah, isn't the, the internal, I mean, it just supports what you were saying earlier that the, there, there's an internal conflict on board the enterprise that then yes. is reduplicated in the external conflict between the Enterprise and the Romulan ship, right? There's this racism yes. uh, incident with yeah. the Navigator and Spock, and then that gets, mm-hmm. and then that, that so there's this internal bo- division, and then that is, mm. that's then mirrored by this external one, right? Yes. No, that's, a, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah, like, that's the, like, that's the, and that is, like, that's what you, that's what you get in these, in these episodes is, is like, this, again, this, like, this, uh, either like a minor thing or a superficial thing, or it is this this difference between ends up like becoming the like the difference within that like that that has to be uh, this this conflict this deep conflict within within that has to be um, I, I, the word that I would pursue is it, it not mitigated but reconciled right like like right. It, it, you know like it, and it has to be like so you know in the in the suitcase the what the the impossibility that emerges in that is that like Don to uh he, he admits to Pe- Peggy he he's he has harangued her at work because he doesn't want to call uh a there's a, he got a phone call from California and he knows he's going to talk to someone and they're going to tell him that uh a person who's very important to him has died of cancer yeah and so he is doing everything he can to avoid that conversation and 
it's like so there are divisions between him and Peggy, but it's like those those divisions between the two of them are just like kind of the rocket boosters that get to the division that's within Don. And that ends up being the like this thing. And he like, you know, he squeezes her hand at the end. Of, like, again, it's just like like that's the thing with Mad Men is that like you, you have to look at these. You, you always have to look at like what a show uh, does kind of on its own terms. Don saying that he grew up on a farm and like squeezing Peggy's hand and like making it very clear how much she means to him like that. Like that's like uh, I, I don't know, like on another show that would be like two characters being on a rooftop shouting their love for each other. Right. And finally, like, right. You know, right. and it's not romantic between Don and Peggy, but you, you under, you understand what I mean? Yeah. Uh, with that. So um, the, and that, that's another thing that I think is like, so wonderful about bottle episodes is that they are, they, they do, show you what is like show specific, which is why I, I say, you know, that that episode of uh, last of us is, is, is a bottle episode because like relative to the, like the world of that show, like two people having a, like a life for themselves in a, in a town, like that's a, that's a, they have made a community. They have like impossibly made a community in this, uh, in, in this world. We wouldn't say that, like you wouldn't say that in our world. You would, you would say that, those are probably the two nimbiest people, right? Who exist. Like you're just, and you're not, you're not engaging in, in the social at all. Right. You're, 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 right. you're uh, just cordoning yourselves off. Like there, there, that there's no kind of sociality there uh, to speak of. But again, relative to the show, it is. And I think it's like, it's, it's the, you know, you, you have to, you, you, it's, it's what makes, it's what makes the bottle episode so vibrant and i think so interesting is that like the shows playing within like their own constraints like shows you something that was like unique about the show unique about the characters it gives this like absolute platform uh for um like the, the again for the impossibility to burst forth and you can see this when it doesn't happen which is in breaking bad's fly when um walt is on the verge of telling jesse that he's responsible for uh, I would say killing his uh, his girlfriend because yeah. right? he watched her die, um, but he doesn't do it. And but like the fact that he gets that close, even, but is the like is the impossibility? Yeah. What you can I ask you a question? Is he gonna at this yeah. point? If he is he gonna say it as a confession? Because when he ends up saying it, he doesn't say it as a confession. He says it as a way to injure Jesse further, right? Yes. No, he says he's going to, that's a great, great point by you. He's going to say it as a confession. Yeah. Yeah. And, in, 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 in this, and, and that, and that confessional aspect is like, is only possible like through the, uh, through the rigor that they're strained through. I said rigor, but, uh, that was a kind of a nice slip, <laughs> but ringer. I think you got to think of those two things together, yeah. uh, with the bottle episode and the being stuck in the, this like underground, right. They're stuck in the un- underground meth lab, right. Which we see being built in, in better call Saul, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's a good point. So like the, um, so Saul has, so Saul has a, um, an episode that has a, like, um, when, uh, Mike and, uh, and Saul are stuck in the desert yeah, without water that is um, reminiscent of uh, the Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos, which I mentioned. And one of the things that, if you haven't seen Pine Barrens episode uh, or the Sopranos, um, this will be lost on you, as I imagine maybe a lot of these references yeah. have been. But what's at stake, I think, is like is very clear, is that two characters, uh, 
Polly and Christopher went to go collect money from a Russian guy, and then Polly was oversensitive and beat the guy up, and it got to a situation where he had to be killed and disposed of, and they decided to do it in uh, South Jersey in the Pine Barrens. Um, only they, so they make this guy dig his own grave, but he was a, um, you know, Todd, he was an interior decorator and he killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Do you remember that? I that do remember Pauly that. Hears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Paulie hears on the phone. That's a, it's Chechnins. Chechnins, yeah, yeah. in the interior yeah. ministry, but he, it's a bad phone connection. <laughs> so he gets the bad information. So, um, and he yeah. gets, um, and so the guy gets loose, the, uh, the, the Russian commando, ex-Russian commando. And they are stuck in the Pine Barrens trying to make sure that they killed this guy and they can't find him. And then they get lost. And and then they get lost. And it's this really cool thing where normally in a bottle episode, you're confined by a tight space, but they're confined by the cold uh, of the Pine Barrens and the like just this vast. Well, the open space confines them. That's what's interesting. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. It's like the film, I don't know if you've ever seen It Follows, but It Follows mobilizes that really well for a horror film because normally in a horror film, like you think you're safe in a wide open space, but that's where you're most in danger. Yeah, that's that true. That's true. Yeah. And and so, um, yeah, so, so Pine Barrens makes the open space closed. But that, so this is what a lot of people focus on when they talk about that as a bottle episode, but like it's really, it's really Tony who is confined by what Paul and Christopher and other people are doing throughout the entire episode. And, um, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's like he, he, he goes to in and out of spaces. He's having an affair. Like he's like, basically like he's collecting money from someone. Like he's not exactly ordering a hit on someone, but he like kind of is, he's making like, so he has like all, like you would say, like he has all this freedom and autonomy, but like, as the episode plays out, like, he is just constantly not cleaning up people's messes because he doesn't really do that, but he's just constantly like tied inextricably tied to other people. And the, that like comes to a head where he, uh, where Dr. Melfi like makes it clear that romantically he's reproducing these relationships that are um, like volatile and toxic because of his relationship with, his mother, which is really funny because what I think it's in the first episode where he says um, he went to a semester and a half of college. So he understands Freud. Yeah. So I think that's like a so I think that's that that would kind of be like a semester and a half of, uh, of college Freud? Yeah. V- yeah. version of Freud. Freud but like, yeah. you know, yeah. we put that we put that to one side. But the, the, the point of it, though, is that like his his he is invested in these conflicts. Like like I think that's like that's the that would be the takeaway is that like. Right. He, he can right. say all he wants that he doesn't like them, but like, then why do they keep happening around him? Right. You know, like, why does, why does he, it's, it's, you know, like, like the, there is a, there, there is an enjoyment, an illicit enjoyment that uh, he consciously would disavow, but that he gets from these situations that really like tie his hands and, and make it so that he doesn't have the autonomy that he, wishes he did. Right. And I think that the, you know, he's so upset with Paulie and Christopher, but yes. it's, he's upset because they're revealing his own, the way he's created his own traps. Right. Like, I think that, yes. I think that's, what's really yeah. good about the show. Right. I mean, it's interesting because yeah. I think most people that like it, like it because they think Christopher and Paulie are funny together because they're, they're mm-hmm. constantly berating each other and they're just, and they get on each other's nerves. It's just like the car ride. You know, it's it's as if they're in a car. Yeah, they yeah. even get in. A, it's interesting. They get they in a van. They even get in the van. Yeah, yeah, they get in a van yeah. in the in the woods. Um, 
but I think I think you're right. Like what's more interesting is how their dynamic forces Tony. In a way, they express the internal contradiction within Tony in their opposition mm. to each other. I think, right? Like it's nice to think of it. Yeah, one way to think of it. But I, I, I do love the way that the 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 open expanse is the is the confinement. I think that's really good. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, it's really. I mean, and, and like you know, also just speaking of, of Christopher and Polly. I mean, this is. Uh, you know, this to 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 dip into my Italian heritage, uh, not for nothing, Todd, but also in that episode, um, uh, Christopher says to to Polly that uh, you're gonna you're gonna wait till you're gonna wait till I'm asleep. You're gonna strangle me in this car. And how does he die? How does Christopher he, die? Tony. How does Christopher die? Oh, Tony, Tony strangles Tony, him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. He suffocates him in the car. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Anyway. So yeah, that's yeah. Like, that's good. Uh, a little little bit of a little bit of a thing there that uh, um, I don't know. Uh, intentional foreshadowing. Well, did like, it's, it's certainly. I guess he did die that way. Out. I was going to say he he died. I mean, the car crash. You think he could have survived it? Yeah, I mean, like if he could have, if he could have, if he could not have survived it, why does Tony? Uh, why does Tony close his nose? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah. Well, I um, I, I guess but, my uh, reading yeah. of it this is wrong. I'm sure it was that we just gave away a major spoiler to Sopranos, um, but but my well, my. My reading of it was that he, he, he it's just Tony's utter malice, maliceness, right? Yeah. Like that, that even yeah. though he's going to die anyway, he wants to kill him. But, but maybe he wants to be the one to do it. That's no, probably pretty, wrong. That's, no, pretty, that's probably wrong. No, no, no. I, li- I like it. I mean, I think, I mean, uh, I think doesn't Hegel teach us, Todd, that it can be and is two things? Uh, maybe so. So Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it has to be the, the like, like he... He does it to make sure, but he also, but I, I do like your little, your little rider on this. Like he does it because he can do it. Yeah. And he enjoys it. Like, I think like he, he, yeah. like, like that's what we see in the other very fans. It's a kind of a bottle episode too, isn't it? College where, where oh, yeah, Tony he, and Meadow take a trip that. together. Yeah. It's in the first season. And a lot yeah. of people think that's the best mm-hmm. episode of the entire series. I don't necessarily think that, but again, Tony kills a guy he doesn't need to kill. And it's no, just, it doesn't need to kill him. Because he just, he, yeah. I mean, need. I mean, I don't know that anybody needs to kill anyone. Uh, <laughs> that would be an interesting. Uh, no, but but narr- but narratively, no, but this is the thing. Like, I like when, when a, I mean, I know that it, so it's Sopranos and like a lot of characters die, like, you know, often uh, or are killed. But like, there is a thing where if a character is going to die in a show, like there has to be, I, I think the pressure has to be like, there needs to be a reason for it. And the reason has to be there's something that you had to do, like narratively or character wise, that required that person to to, to die as a character, like for, to be able to do. And I think that there's no, like so there's nothing like personally for Tony that is that this existence of this guy is it's no threat uh, mitigating, right? It's no threat, no threat whatsoever. So what it tell what it does tell us is about. It's about Tony. So he needs to die so we can learn this thing. Right, Tony, right. Exactly, exactly. It's interesting because I think it's a real contrast, Sopranos and Americans, because almost every death in Sopranos oh, yeah. is like, it, it, it's just excessive, right? Like just, But in, yeah. in Americans, it's clear that if they don't kill the person, they're going to be exposed as Russian spies. Right. Right. So right, they, right. they, it's like, you know, like maybe they, they don't seem to even get off on it. Right. They don't, they seem no, to like, no. they, it's not that they're totally reluctant, but they'd rather not kill the person. I mean, they they they, they yeah. think of themselves as communists, so they would they wouldn't <laughs> rather not kill the person. But I, it, there's a great episode where they're they're uh, 
putting a, a recording device in a robot that's going to be in the FBI. And mm-hmm. there's a woman mm-hmm. that comes back to work. And then, and, and, uh, is it Carrie? Is that her name? I think it is. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Uh, anyway, the, the, the woman yeah. American, uh, she the well well Philip I know his name is Philip um he he's working on the on the robot installing the microphone she encounters this woman who's who's come to work late at night and thus they're going to have to because they have to cover their tracks or their little spy operation right. won't work and so then she makes this woman overdose on her heart medicine and yeah. and the and the and 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 she goes, you know, at least you should know that we're doing this to make the world a better place. And then the woman says to her, that's what every evil person says to themselves. And it's a great, yeah. it's a great moment, yeah. I think, that, you know, you get this. Yeah. I mean, that's not, an, that's not a bottle episode. But I think that that, it, you know, that's what the difference between that show and Sopranos is really interesting. Because there's not that self-justification that all these killings are somehow necessary. Instead, they're mm-hmm. there to reveal something about the about the killer, right? Or about usually about yeah. Tony, I think. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I mean, even in Pine Barrens, it ends with him. He has to wipe tears away from his eyes because he's, he's trying to say to Melfi that he does everything. He just says, why does everything have to be so hard? Yeah. Like yeah. he said, I do everything for my family, which is the, you know, that's like the Walter White line. I know. But like, um, and it's also the succession line too. It's interesting how that yes, is it really functions as, well. as yeah. a real yeah. ideological hook. I think the family idea. It's, I think what you know we in in uh, in this podcast for this venue probably there's too much to get into, but it does show that like uh, family is maybe the best master signifier. Yeah, master signifier being being a term from uh, Jacques Lacan, meaning a signifier without a signified, and because of its lack of uh, what would you say con- concrete signification, that it can just be. Uh, it can web together almost anything. Yeah, that's right. And, you that's know, right. like, like you know, you can imagine, you can imagine two, like, really opposed sentences, like, like, totally, totally legit, like, like, it wouldn't be out of place to hear, for the good of the American family, we need to uh, curb access to firearms. Right. 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 For the good of the American family, we need to expand access to firearms. Right. right. That, like, like, you can, you can. You can hear, you can just, yeah. So the family thing, I, I, I totally, yeah, really, I totally agree with you. Absolutely great. ideological. Right. Like, like even, even in the one, even in the statement that we would agree with, it's still what you see is like the still, it's still the functioning, ideological functioning of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's pretty good about, uh, uh, yeah, com- about, uh, about, <laughs> about Tony, Tony Soprano and Succession and, and, uh, and, and Walt. I mean, like, and as I think, um, probably Breaking Bad was the, or at least Succession hasn't ended yet and you and i are not caught up so we don't know how this gets articulated quite right, so exactly, don't send us an email saying oh i loved this last episode yeah it's great because yeah. the family thing really got blown up when yeah, this happened yeah, to yeah. Walt. Don't, like, don't don't do that please don't do this yeah. um but like walt has the line right the when he eventually meets up with skylar at the end that like he didn't do it for family he did it for me yeah he liked it yeah like he says i liked it i was good at it yeah and i don't know that um I think that it's depending on how you read the end of Sopranos, it's possible that Tony dies thinking he did it for his family. I think so, that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he has so, a similar moment of revelation. But yeah, I think there, I yeah. think so, that I actually. So it's us because that is a, because, sorry to, sorry to, no, that's all right. That, that is the like, that is the thing with that, with that show is that like it's meant to be. I, I know David Chase has said this before. Like, like he, he definitely thought, think, thought about like a Greek, uh, tragedy 
in New Jersey with a mafia family. And like, that is this, like the Sophoclean irony. Like it's not a, it's, it's not a, uh, a deficit in the show that, Tony never has that revelation right. about himself because right. we have that revelation right. as the in, audience. In fact, I think it's a I, I would even argue it's a kind of weakness of breaking bad that that Walt comes mm. to too much awareness at the end and and even his final yeah. act is way too heroic for my taste. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I know yeah, you and I uh, yeah. we were we were simpatico on that yeah. for sure. Um so the uh I think we've come to a little bit of a conclusion here. Oh good. Um yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, because Todd Todd's double parked, so he's got to uh, he's, he's got to go. The um, so the, the the thing the thing about the bottle episode is that uh, across all of its uh, varied iterations of appearances, what you get is this uh, this this concrete form that um, forces characters in a in a ringer to be confronted with their own internal oppositions, and what has to happen is that they have to see that the, the, the oppositions are appositions that they are, uh, like they, that they are together. They have to be brought through, uh, to understand the, um, the interdependence of the, the internal opposition of itself. And this is the way that like, this is, this is how everyone gets out of the bottle is it's, it's not, it's not, they're not released by time because if it was time, if time was going to release the bottle, or the destination in the car ride, then you don't have to come to any recognition of any kind, you know, but it's because the bottling is not physical. It's, 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 it's not, uh, and it's not completely temporal, but it is existential that it puts this pressure on what we would say. I think I, you and I would say is the impossible needs to emerge and the impossible being the uh, like a reconciliation with contradiction. And what's that? Like, I mean, I just think there's not a better example than that community episode that uh, you're, you know, you're, if we become accepting of our, each other's flaws and virtues, and it's just one thing, right? It's not flaws and virtues. It's, you know, like, and then there, there's, there's another thing. Oh, well, your virtue is this and your flaw is that. So work on the flaw and increase your virtue. No, 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 no. It's the same thing. That's the, like the, like the core existential uh, uh, conundrum. That's the, the contradiction that gets deepened. Um, in I think all of these episodes leading to, and it's always a different kind of impossibility that emerges in the, the, you know, in, in international assassin in, uh, once more with feeling in hush, uh, in, you know, in, uh, in a long, long time in, in, uh, star Trek in pine barrens, like there's a different kind of impossibility that emerges this, this conclusion, this insight that we come to because of, this bottled confinement that could not have been uh, broached or come to without having to, to see the intractability of this internal opposition. That's what we get with, uh, with the, with the bottle episode and why I think that it's like this, this most like theoretical um, form in like, like that is unique to TV. It's not, it's not imported from other, uh, you know, genres. It's not from film. It's not from the 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 stage. Uh, it is from this demand, this economic demand, and it produces uh, like you know an aesthetic, like, like you know we didn't talk about this, but in um, I think it's a I think it's Tholian Webb that you know that uh, Kirk and um, McCoy and Spock go to this other ship. They get beamed onto this other ship to see what happened, and they don't ha- obviously they can't make another ship. 
So the it's just they get beamed to the set of the Enterprise, but the camera angles are different. It's actually a violation of the 180 degree rule, and it's camera and it's angles on the the ship's bridge that you don't really get on the uh, on the Enterprise, and also it's tinted blue, so there's that thing. But there's like um, that that sort of aesthetic. Uh, consideration like only came through because of the economic thing but it's like that's that's the way this works that you have this like this economic uh pressure to develop an aesthetic uh response uh to to, for to to the issue and that's why i think like it's this like really amazing thing is that like what is happening like for the, the the thing that is taking place for the episode to even be an episode which is navigating this like crunch of uh of, of, of uh, economic threat that grappling with uh with contradiction gets played out in the episodes themselves so it's it's um i don't i don't know that people who make the episodes necessarily think about it that way but you i just think it's like available to to see this uh this like meta reflexivity in it and i think that's why uh people um get invested in them and and, and why these these episodes um often like overwhelm our memory of the rest of the show. This is, this is Catherine Van Arendt's point about the episode itself that I, as a form that I, that I really, really agree with. And like I quote in the, uh, in the article that like we, when you think about a show, the, the form of the episode is uh, often looms larger than the entirety of the text itself. So we, you remember like your favorite episode uh, more than you necessarily remember like the, uh, the text as a whole as a chunk. And the bottle episode, I think looms the largest out of all these uh, discrete units of it and, um, pushes, uh, pushes an understanding of character and the world, um, as it pushes its characters like with and against each other. Okay. Ryan. So what's the lesson? Oh, uh, okay. All right. Cause this is my, cause this is my thing. Cause it's my thing. We talked It's your about, thing. It's yeah. Thing. You gotta, yeah, I, I can't be the one to get the lesson. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, um, I, I think, I think it has to be, uh, it has to be a film cause it can't be, we talked enough about TV. Uh, or right. well, there's enough examples for for the TV. So the um, uh, oh 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 oh, oh. Uh, for oh it follows. It has to be, I think. It has to, it be, has to be. It follows. Yeah. I think because yeah. we talked about it uh, briefly. Yeah, because it's so good at, at like making uh, making space, making uh, like really public space feel so uh, 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 constraining and, and and terrifying. Um, I well, I also and I, then the key scene happens in a swimming pool, right? Yeah, that's I a mean, great point. Am I yeah. remembering correctly? You are yeah. you are remembering correctly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, the yeah. the key the, the climactic scene at the end, absolutely. And not just and it, it it kind of is doubled because it's in it's in the the like the room of the swimming pool, like it's like a public pool, but then in the pool itself, you know. So you have those two levels of right. Uh, of, right, I agree. Yeah, yeah, Agreed. that's pretty. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I can also, can I do a, can I do a bonus double? Yes, you can. Okay. Bonus is always appreciated. All right. Okay. All right. So the, the bonus one would be, there's a, um, low budget Irish horror film called a dark song that, um, I happen to like a lot and it is, uh, t- it's, it's two, just real, almost the entire film is two characters in a house and they are, uh, performing a, a, uh, an occult ritual, uh, because one, one of the characters needs it to be done uh, for, for something she needs to do. I'll just put it that way. Uh, it's, it's, okay. yeah, it's a very, very low budget. I think a friend of mine told me recently, I think it was made for well under like a hundred thousand dollars, something like that. So I, I, but wow. yeah, it's, it's, I, um, yeah, it came out a couple of years ago. So I'll, I'll throw that out there as a very, uh, as a film 
that does uh, what the the what bottle episodes do, and and how it like mobilizes constraint in uh in that way, leading to most important thing, leading to some an impossibility that would be you know not thinkable otherwise, but for the constraint. So, with the constraint, yes, right? Yes. Right. All right, Ryan. That sounds good. Awesome. Over and out. Over. Over and out. 